One of the final editions of Po' Boys before Josh realizes just how big responsibility, how much there is in the big life update that Josh has gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite part is uh, my girlfriend is going out of town next week to hang out at the beach with her family. <laughs> and, and she was like, you know what? Our new adopted baby, just you, you, you take care of it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it's the right, it's the right call, you know. Yeah, I mean, babies, for example, I don't think it's you're supposed dog, to put not them in a the human child. Let's just nip that in the butt right quick. <laughs> our our um, is a little is a little our, our our listeners out there with children are like, oh, oh no, you you would yeah, you our would listeners be left... out there with children who aren't us. <laughs> Hashtag, well, my parents have not listened to this pod in months. Oh, really? I don't know if my dad listens to it anymore or not. He's he's gotten super into stuff you should know, and we can't compete with that. So, <laughs> yeah. Another thing too is they're so popular that their content is also just remastered episodes of their content. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, and I listen to them. The selects, I listen to them. <laughs> well, I, I listen to them too because if I like, hadn't heard them already, anyway. it's been like a decade, right? Yeah, they have and over I, a thousand episodes. And for most people, I think that you and I are kind of in that norm of you didn't get into podcasting until like within the last six, eight years or something. But, yeah, until Serial came out. But for like stuff you should know. Mm-hmm. And then um, Hartwick before he got canceled, and then tried to get back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, like or, they've been know, out at WTF and Jimmy Jimmy Pardo's um, podcast, Never Not is, Funny. Is it is it the Mark Macon one? Mark Marin, yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, and like, but anyway, Jordan the Jesse point. Go. The point. The point it. is that they've been at it since like the mid to early two thousands. Right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Like before so I had my first iPod. <laughs> Before I had my first iPhone, um, for sure. I so, pod. I, yeah. Anyway, um, so d- you're Josh. You're a dog dad now. Hashtag dog dads. I'm a dog roommate. I actually really hated the the term dog dad because I was like, um, we're more like brothers. Oh boy. Because <laughs> like dad insinuates, you know, that you've aged to a point where like you are responsible and have to take care of this thing and it looks up to you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of warming up to the dog dad, uh, mentality, hashtag dog dads. Um, but it's still, I mean, I, I understand your hesitation to take on that moniker. So Josh, um, what our, our listeners are dying to know is did you take the advice of our scores of followers and name your dog Raylo? I tried. Girlfriend wouldn't let me. Does your dog have a Star Wars adjacent name or a Star no, Wars name? I mean, that's the that's the only Star Wars name I really wanted. I didn't necessarily feel like naming my my dog a Star Wars thing. I just thought Raylo was a good um, puppy name, and I still have got it in the pocket for future pets for sure. Yeah, uh, and. Th- the tough but thing I shot too is in the foot by coming up with another name before that one, and that's that one we ended up going up with. Oh, so you got to choose the name at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would hardly call it choosing, and just you know, I came up with an idea for the name, and it, it we both really liked it. So um, there was really no, we never really entertained an alternative. Yeah, for me, I so I've only had, I've only owned one dog. I've had, you know, obviously dogs growing up. Right. But uh, my dog, I named it, you know, a Star Wars name. But it was mainly because when I was describing my dog over the phone, my sister was like, oh, like that Star Wars character. And I was like, oh, man, this sucks. I have to name it this dog. Like, it just fits to that yeah. particular dog. dog ended up with the name Greedo. <laughs> um, no, that's, oh, uh, my gosh. What's that, um... Hut's name, um, Rhoda. No, no, no. Yeah, the little one. No, the the one 
that is in jail and with all the breakout episodes. Oh, Zero. Zoo, zero, yeah. His name's Zero. Mm-hmm. Z-I-R-O, baby. Um, so what did you... Well, I guess we can just speculate, listeners, on what the name is. It's um, Halloween Kills. Yeah, okay, that seems like a name. I named my dog um, Halloween Kills. Yeah, sure. Um, that is her middle name. That's right after its first name, The Deliverance. And so, <laughs> The Deliverance Halloween Kills. Um, and then I'm not going to out your last name. And so, Josh, <laughs> that's that's big life news. Um, for me, sure. I'm just kind of marching at a, um, just plateauing. So, we don't really have to get into anything there. Um, we actually have some actual news, Star Wars yeah, that news. that just came out that, the day we're recording this. That just came out the day we're recording, so this is only going to be four-day-old news. Um, yeah, but for us, I mean, fresh takes. You're getting yeah, right off the I mean, dome this is Yeah, this is like, wow, why? Why? Hashtag <laughs> Batch Boys. Hashtag Batch Boys. Um, so... Hashtag, I don't, hashtag I don't Bash have Boys, a, hashtag 2021, hashtag For the Brood. <laughs> 2020s for the fans, 2021, baby. It's going to be For the Brood. So um, let's get into a little bit of info before I give my hot takes. Yeah. Um, Josh, do you have an article up before it? I mean, I I, I, I have the... I mean, yeah, go I ahead. I have it up. The only, the only details I saw were, you know, Dave Filoni was... was EP on it, and then it talked about who would be the supervising director and who was going to be the head writer. Okay. Um, I have not looked up at, at, at any of it. I've only checked in the Star Wars Twitter, and it's pretty lukewarm um, from what I've seen. Interesting. Uh-huh. But we also, I mean, and this is just like a, a, a fact of our echo chamber of our Star Wars fans. And we are Raylo Twitter followers. So, like, I would say of the people that we follow, most of them are some combination of Raylo. And Raylo fans typically do not stand Clone Wars. So, that, like, makes a little bit more sense to me. Because I know. Interesting. That's, that's my general take on it. Yeah, I, I haven't been on Twitter forever. So, I've. I was barely on it at all during the course of the Clone Wars, so I actually don't really have that much of an idea of the people who follow us what their thoughts on Clone Wars were. It was so it was mainly it was mainly um, extremely positive things about Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and that was that was kind of it. And then okay. um, around the time of Clone Wars, um, the voice actor for Darth Maul, whose name is escaping me right now, Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. He was he was posting a lot of stuff, and they were a lot of people were like sharing different things like he, he has a i don't know if it was recent or if this is just like a retweet of some opinions on luke skywalker like he's very ups- he does not like the episode eight portrayal of luke skywalker yeah and i i read what he had to say about that and i, I you know i thought it was a very thoughtful criticism but i don't know if that i don't i don't know if that's recent or not um mm-hmm. but going back to bad batch um, that's kind of the general inkling I've seen. It's you know going to cover those four clone troopers. Um, we don't know if it's po- like we'll during Clone Wars. We do. It's after Episode Three. It's after Episode Three. Okay, interesting. Right. So that's, so, that's uh, interesting to me. I definitely have some huh. thoughts on it. Well, I that's was, yeah. Go ahead. I you know I was going to say that uh, it's certainly not going to be my number one pick for what the next animated series would be but that being said i don't even think i considered it and the more i think about it i mean i've, I've become increasingly excited throughout the day and i have a number of oh interesting um i think there's a there's a wealth of opportunity in this show uh in spite of maybe at face value it looking like a more mundane choice i think that it can there's there's a wealth of opportunity to get into some really interesting stuff within the Star Wars universe with those characters in that time period. And just to piggyback on that and put on my temporary positive boy hat, mm-hmm. there's two things that you could kind of think from this. It could be adding to the... Sorry. It could be adding to the 
order post order 66 you know bad batch could be the ones that are deployed to take out jedi which you know people really really love that right after order 66 um time like people really enjoy like that well at least i'll say i really enjoy that content um it also could be and i think this is probably more likely a bet because we've seen it deployed twice so far of bad batch being a subset of the rebel alliance at the very beginning or they become that which we've seen that in solo we've seen that in rogue one the show rebels was literally about that and you know what they've shown is there can be multiple rebel cells so they can have yeah, that story God, i don't want to have to find a freaking another one every freaking story we come up with now is like oh a different rebel cell a different rebel cell right um but that's that's kind of how like if you wanted to because i feel like the order 66 stuff is super dark and it's mm-hmm. just like the episode like the arcs are like which what's our kill jedi of the week um mm-hmm. and i don't know if they're necessarily going to go in that direction um but i would guess it's probably the latter because they enjoy so, expanding into that like little pocket and it's a lot safer for them to do that mm-hmm. so the language i've read in regards to it describes them as mercenaries which i think interesting. is exciting to me that that implies a sort of a sense of being unaligned with the empire or any budding rebellion even though just based on every star wars story ever told the implication would be probably they might eventually end up working alongside um the rebels you get dragged in you uh, no matter what you do you get dragged in but i mean if they if they truly if this truly is a show about them being mercenaries and guns for hire that that provides a really interesting way to hop around the galaxy at this time i mean you know they could end up being hired by crimson dawn we can get more information about all of that and how maul gets from where we see him at the end of clone wars to where we see him at the beginning of rebels or you know at the end of solo as well there's a lot that can be fleshed out there um i don't know i think it's it's an exciting opportunity i also think seems to me to be the perfect venue to finally tell me this boba fett campaign story i want so much i mean oh the perfect no venue. It's the right yeah, timeline. Yeah. They're going to deal with Boba Fett if it's a show about clones. There's no and, way they don't And it, it also seems like this would be a perfect opportunity to explain Cat, not Cat Bane, or Singh getting killed by um, yeah. Woody Harrelson's yeah, character. Yeah, Woody could show up, whose name I definitely remember. Uh, Jerry. So, yes, yes, Jerry Harrelson. Jerry Harrelson. But I also now, might... Yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, so I, what I was going to say is for this in particular, I hadn't really, you know, sat down and speculated like, what do I want my next Star Wars animated show to be? Yeah. But when I think about it, I can easily think of like two, three that I would have much rather preferred <laughs> over this, sure. which is like sure. I would have preferred post episode nine. I would have preferred mm-hmm. Luke's Jedi Academy, which I think is super easy to do. And I would have preferred them to start making some connection to the High Republic since they're, you know, um, expanding into that universe via the books. And it could be a complement to that. So those are just like three literally off the top of my head. Um, Yeah. But if you're kind of disappointed in the Bad Batch news, which I'm not, I mean, I'm... I'm excited. I am not as excited as you are, for sure. But... what I was going to say is they have shown that they can do multiple projects at once. So this is not the end all be all for star Wars animation. There's probably some other project down the line because resistance and clone wars. I mean, granted with clone wars, they had, um, it was a different art style and they had things in the hopper and they had all everything built. That's that could be the same thing with this too. It's probably the same team, of animators that did rebels clone wars etc so they have the ability to add on to a new project so it's not it's i'm not it's 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 wrong of me to think of it in a trade-off like i get this so now i don't get this mm-hmm. yeah that's that's fair i guess so for me the first thing i thought of when i saw that they're doing a show about clones and doing a show about bad batch and it's the you know the time period it's it's gonna be in is 
that I just to to me the clones are still this huge kind of swept under the rug part of the Star Wars mythos where as much as time as we've spent with them in the Clone Wars I feel like there's still a rich vein of, of storytelling and uh, philosophizing to be done with these characters and that you know we hint at it here and there in like Clone Wars season 4 but that you know clones are bred as slaves to a war machine and we never really dive into that as much as it should be delved into and how huge a deal it is that the Jedi sanctioned that and went along with that and that that was just a thing the Republic did uh, we, we don't we don't go into it there's that you know slaves of the Republic arc where they go to Kedavo or whatever and they you know they kind of hint at it but they don't really look it in the face and it's it's something I would love to hear George Lucas talk about his thoughts on on the clones and his intentions with that because I yeah I, I find it really fascinating and a, an important dangling thread that needs to be addressed I also think that clones and again it's it's after episode three though so who knows how much we're going to get into all this though you know if it's directly after episode three i'm sure there's still plenty of clones around there but i, I think clones also offer a pretty ripe opportunity to address identity you know uh, storytelling about about identity and lgbtq plus uh explorations and characters particularly when you you know you have this one archetype for all of these different personalities we've seen and we can you know the stars has shown hundreds upon hundreds of variations of this one uh dude i guess you know this one genetic template uh and i, I think there's just there's a lot of great storytelling and a lot of great ideas and possibilities that could be very prescient and of the moment that you can do with clones and i'm, I'm hoping that you know Maybe they'll they'll take on a more courageous sense of storytelling with this I, and really take that opportunity. And I'm basing this off of just seeing you know our arc of Bad Batch. I would have not considered them going into like the sexuality of those characters or the ethnicities. No, and, and, and I'm I'm not trying not to those. I'm not trying to put that on you. Um, mm-hmm. I the funniest thing I thought of while you were talking is the idea that the trailer will show. Like the Bad Batch, like what's our next mission? And then they're all on the curve with their boxes because they've been fired and they have to figure <laughs> out like what's going on next. They get brought into the Emperor's office. No, it's it's um it's Tarkin. Tarkin Tarkin mm-hmm. uh just lets them know that uh it's all it's all it's all done and then Yularen's like them's the breaks, kids. Sure. Um uh and then I, I also think that the that kind of quiet soft ending to clone wars that we got is very much to me a sort of statement of here's who survived and what's left of them here's what it here's what it took out of these people to live through this you know to live through this event meant this and they lost this and now they're here and uh i thought it was a really beautiful sentiment expressed in the finale of Clone Wars, but it's, you know, I guess Bad Batch gives them an opportunity to elaborate that, on that more, particularly given that it was a sentiment that was expressed so quietly and succinctly at the end of Clone Wars. So, I, I don't know, I think there's, there's a lot of gold in them there, Hills. Um, I'm curious how many people are yeah. speculating about the Martez sisters getting their spinoff next week. <laughs> there you go. So here's here's one other thing I wanted to touch on. Josh is on a roll today, folks. I'm just going is, for it. Is this a bad the bat about the bad batch? It is. Okay, because I have two more comments about the bad batch, and I really want them to be heard. So Josh, do you want them to be heard last, or do you want them to be heard now? Yeah, I I I mean, you know, let's 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 have Look, let's have them last. So they. They've uh, said that the executive producers, they've listed them off, Dave Filoni, Athena Pertillo, Brad Rao, Jennifer Corbett. This guy, Brad Rao, is going to be the supervising director, and Jennifer Corbett's going to be the head writers. They've talked a lot about the, the writing staff, the behind-the-camera staff. No mention of um, any voice talent. And I, you know, people sort of said, well, that makes sense. It's probably just D. Bradley Baker. He voices all the clones. Yeah. But I'll also say, 
in recent months and given recent events and recent kind of transitions in voice acting and the type of actors that are playing and portraying um, characters that don't necessarily reflect, reflect their own race or gender. You know, Tamara Morrison, who plays Jango Fett, is, is from New Zealand. He's of Maori descent. Uh, and, you know, for 10 plus years now, we've had D. Brad Baker, you know, a white guy, doing the voice of, of that character and those characters. And, I mean, fantastically, he's, he's you know, his acting in, in these shows has been, has provided me with some of my favorite performances in Star Wars. But, uh, I can't help but wonder if, if, that's going to be part of the conversation going forward. Uh, whether or not <clears throat> it would be appropriate for him to continue voicing these characters or not, I don't know. I think that I can say pretty pretty definitively that he'll be the voice actor for this show. We'll see. Um, I think that that conversation's more likely uh, in the Mandalorian with that that um, rumor that Boba Fett or Rex. It is going to be in season two, and I only and I only say that because with what we know about animation, when these things are announced, it means that they've already started working months ago. So yeah, yeah I'm sure for, well into pre-production. So production. if I were to make a bet, and you know, one thing we've seen with Star Wars animation is they really, really like to be as efficient as possible. And to when they break barriers, they want to make sure that they're able to recycle things. Um, it would it would it would honestly surprise me if D. Bradley Baker wasn't the voice of all of these characters. Yeah, we'll see. I just I, I think, you know, we've got a lot of examples recently of actors and actresses stepping down from roles where they don't feel that they're adequately representing the character they're portraying and things like that. I'm just I've and I've. I was kind of thinking to myself, boy, yeah, has this ever come up before? Has this ever been something that he's discussed? And, and I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like it based on a very cursory, you know, search engine poll. But I do I do feel like it's a conversation that's going to be had by the fandom and stuff, particularly given that we have the original actor purportedly reprising that role. And I, that will particularly drive home. And again, it's, you know, I've loved his performance so much and i am not the guy to speculate on the morality of it but i'm just i'm i'm very curious i feel like that's gonna that someone is going to bring that up whether it's anyone on the disney side or not uh yeah i don't know i don't know i think it's perhaps telling that they didn't um say that d bradley baker would be doing the voices but we'll see well i think that's also a matter of they can roll out content for these different things when they have more finalized ideas. So like they, yeah. they could have D Bradley Baker in. it's a question of what new voices that they're going to have for like different Imperials, different bounty hunters, etc. That would be exciting. And I mean, they've had a lot of exciting people like, um, they had Jason Isaac, um, Isaacs who, you know, as you know, is like a top five actor for me. Um, mm-hmm. have like a role in the first season of Rebels. They had um, Callus, which was by um, David Oyelowo. Yeah, and so they have these big names. I think that's probably them wanting to once they get more of these things finalized, or they want to kind of sh- share that information. Um, mm-hmm. My two bad batch comments. Oh boy. One is as soon as I thought about that. Um, when I saw that Bad Batch was a TV show, I was like, are we talking about Bad Batch or like describing our Bad Batch of episodes that we've had at certain points on this podcast? Um, and then... Oh, you mean like the last four months? <laughs> <laughs> if, if we, if we, if as filler, we could do, um, a, a Poe Boy's top 10 Bad Batch of episodes that we've done as we've hit a hundred episodes... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Where we pick our worst 10 episodes. Pete, I don't listen back to them. I don't remember them well enough. Um, and my second comment was that I spent maybe like five or seven minutes 
on Twitter trying to think of a way that I could call John Favreau a bad batch without making it sound like I'm a terrible human being for like gaslighting this human being. Um, so I was unsuccessful to equate bad batch to John Favreau, but listeners, I, I tried, <laughs> I definitely tried and I was, I all oh, don't give up, you know, don't give up. Yeah. So, um, don't let them make you believe you're alone. Thank you, Josh. They win by they. Johnny F wins by you, you thinking you're alone. And you'll you'll find it. I believe that you. was such a good transition to episode nine. And yet this mm-hmm. week we're covering in our recaparama. The big one. The what would you consider this the big one? In that this is the show that we started this podcast for. I, mm-hmm. I think for us it is technically the big one. Yeah. Um. This is one that. I am excited to kind of do. Um, it's the one that, you know, was the springboard for our show. So this week we're covering in Recaparama in July um, the Disney cartoon Star Wars Resistance. Yes. Which, so not, I mean, all of it. It's all over now. You know, the season two finale was the series finale. We now, you know, have an idea of the sum total of Star Wars Resistance. And so we're finally we're gonna take a look back and, and talk about it as an entire entity, you know. Did you ever go back and um, watch episode nine that when they included um, the fireball? Like, did, I know nope. I know that some people took like pictures or something, Did but I, was it a deleted scene? I think it was a deleted scene or like an expanded scene. No, I don't think they showed deleted. I don't think they had any deleted scenes. Okay. Because I know... Not on the Blu-ray, anyway. Not on the Blu-ray. Okay. Because um, I still have not seen that in there. and I. But I, I also yeah. don't, like... You know, when I was watching it, I wasn't, you know, going out for it. Um, so this show, um, when it first came out, we thought it was a racing show. We did about seven <laughs> to nine episodes of, um, looking back, absolutely worthless content of mm-hmm. oh team fireball okay what people what what does what does each person bring to the table oh the team yeah. aces Ooh, what's what's the backstory what are we gonna learn from x y and z person and um i mean certain characters you learn more about but i guess um <laughs> those real like if you like the characters it it, it was not because of those their affiliations those those like monikers of team aces and team fireball really didn't matter one bit yeah those those t-shirts aren't flying off the stands at star celebration um but i know you and i were a little worried about animation um Mm -hmm. we were talking kind of transitioning to 2d um we spent a good time trolling the music director for his roles like his seven or nine roles in the land before time films um tavaro like uh michael mm-hmm. tavaro um mm-hmm. but he did a great job yeah he did i mean some of this some of the i would say that the big moments in the show so like in season one and listeners you know obvious spoilers for star wars resistance um yeah we're talking about the whole thing in season one when they have the big dog fights as the Colossus, you know, submerges from water, that music, I really, really enjoy. Um, any of mm-hmm. the kind of chase scenes that were in ships, I really enjoyed. So, I mean, I think he did a fantastic job with the music. I don't, I, I don't think that he did as great a job as like you would have with like a clone wars or like a movie, like there's a, a given song that it's connected to, but I don't really think that that was the scope of the show. So that's not that's not me trying yeah. to have a criticism towards him. No, and I guess let's talk about the scope of the show because that's something I, I definitely want to talk about now that it's all said and done. And like I said, we have an idea of what the whole story was. Resistance to me still is a strange animal in that it, I feel like it, never had the opportunity to totally get off its feet and establish itself because it was so quick it well, was it's rushed a lot and yeah it was so kind of different from what the marketing 
thought it would be. So I, it, I never felt like it found its equilibrium. And last week we kind of talked about Mandalorian being cool because it, it's like a, a middle-sized Star Wars story. And it's not, you know, it's not huge. It's not the end of the galaxy. There's no Death Stars, you know, but it's still really compelling storytelling. And it, comparing that to Resistance, I find myself myself really having to think about um, what do we want from scale from a Star Wars story? Because this the scale of this show was very interesting. Well, it's it was small. It, it had a not. It had a lot of avenues and pathways that mm-hmm. you wanted to have answered, right? Like Kaz's father being a senator for his planet, um, mm-hmm. which was the main planet that got blown up. Um, he's from he's the he's the right. center of Hosnian Prime, and then somehow survives. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that's yeah. an avenue to see the infrastructure of all of the out of like the whole you know. Um, New Republic that wasn't shown um, you could have had avenues in terms of the racing scene of kind of explaining the outer rim the racing underbelly because you know we see glimpses of it at different cantinas in episode 2 episode 1 um, they talk about different planets and the only one we really go to is that hut I think yeah the hut where they go to the casino planet right. that nobody's there because yep. of the war. Um, so, that you know, there could have been more avenues in that direction. Um, yeah. Or even further expanding the um, members of the Empire that had reintegrated into society like um, Captain Doza had done. Um, mm-hmm. But they really just kind of told a focal story they had some filler things you know here and there because you know it is a show for children so like having that um what was it terrifying the it was like the equivalent of a zillow beast but its babies were like a little and they would eat them um bebo yeah they had like the bebo episode um and they did you know little things here and there like you know like with the kooky pirates and trying to like hunt an extinct animal so yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely something that it left me wanting more, but I enjoyed the full project at the end. Like I was mm-hmm. satisfied with kind of where our characters kind of ended up. Um, I was not a huge fan of the Tam story. I've said this multiple, multiple times. Yeah, they they did Tam really dirty. I mean, even just telling that same story with that character, they it could have been done with so much more tact and it just, it, it really, I think, unfortunately fell flat on its face. I mean, it's so telling that, you know, we just, we never get the scene where we have Tam having to grapple with. She just joined a military that committed like a genocide, like blew up seven planets. She definitely it, knows. We never. Does she? I mean, she, you have to know. I mean, she must. She must. But the fact that we're never shown that, I think, is telling. Because I feel like it. they knew on their end, like, we can't show this. This story all falls apart if we really have to grapple because, with that. Because I don't, I don't Kaz know. watches it when he's going around. Because they broadcasted all of them being shot. Now, Tam was not part of... No, Tam was part of that group, but... No, that was in the that was before she switched sides. Okay, that he sees that. But at least they could have talked about. I don't know. I, I. It's weird that they never talked. I, about it. I. I would imagine Tam would know. Um, yeah, I mean she has yeah. to, surely. But it's just so like that she would take that step because of such a small transgression on the part of Kaz and Yeager never sat right, and so it. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. one uh, one thing know. about the show too, and this is just kind of a criticism that I have for the trilogy series too, is that mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, you know, in the original series, you have all these cool characters, but you don't expand on any of them. You kind of just let the fans mm-hmm. speculate. So like Wedge, really cool character. You kind of just let that speculate. Lando, really cool character. Um, you know, Boba, Boba Fett, Fett etc. And 
in this show they have a lot of cool characters you're just wanting more of those characters like the one i that immediately comes to mind is the plo coon uh, not the plo coon the sacy 10 um type alien um that's a bounty hunter he has that, that he has that like um vibro bra- blade electric axe yeah. kind of thing um let's mm-hmm. his species gonna is gonna come to me in like three minutes but that you know that bounty hunter is like one of the coolest bounty hunters that i've seen in star wars um but it was a one-off or two-off episode thing as opposed to being like a season villain you know going from planet to planet um but i don't know if that's just me as a fan wanting more or if that's more of a criticism of the show itself yeah i mean i think so i and we're I swear we're gonna get to good stuff. I have a great fondness for this show, and I really enjoyed reflecting back on it for this episode. Uh, but I think I can distill my my major criticism for this show is it it just it never felt like it it never felt like it necessarily knew all along what the story was going to tell was. So the entire two season story then just kind of i'm curious what what the nugget was of like this is a story we're going to try to tell which which um, josh is also not 100 percent on on their shoulders as well like they were given they were they were given one season they were told you have one season and then you know in rebels you had an undefined specified amount of time you know like Certain things are going to have to happen for Rogue One, New Hope, etc. But, like, at the end, or at the beginning of Episode 6, like, the Rebellion has stuff. They're not making, like, a final attack. They're just wanting to do one, you know, fatal swoop. Like, they're describing it as they have the Empire on the run. And in this show, it's... You don't even know in Episode 9 until, like, you know, the very beginning that things are not going well. They're on, they're on the run... And that's kind of the world that the show is going into. So it kind of works for me of them really not knowing. And I remember, Josh, you were saying this um, time and time again, like there's no direction. There's no direction. I have no idea why we're here. I have no idea why we're doing this. And that kind of works for me because it seems like from episode nine, none of them had any idea what was going on. And the first order just kept wiping out old allies so that it was more and more difficult. Yeah, I don't know. I guess to me, like, it, in comparison to a Clone Wars or to a Rebels, when I look at the sum total of Clone Wars, I have an idea of what that story is and what what story they're telling. You know, it's a story of the degradation of society. It's a story of war degrading society until it, until it crumbles into something bad. And then, you know, Rebels is a, is a story about find your find your place in conflicts and and kind of deciding how to engage in a conflict you know that's that every season of that show is a different experiment for Ezra in how to do the right thing or how to be a part of you know the how to be on the side of justice and resistance Sometimes it feels like it's a show about young people finding their place, but I, I wouldn't tell people that that's what that show's about. And sometimes it feels like sort of an adopted family coming together, but I, again, that's not what I would tell people that show is about. I don't know what I would I would say because it, it never... I mean, a lot of my complaints season two is, yeah, that it, it felt like there was no sense of momentum and there was no sense of direction. I, I wonder if you would describe Kaz now in the context of what we've seen with um black lives matter talking about your privilege and it being the story of what somebody with privilege can do or should do when they see great suffering that's happening not to them but to other people in the galaxy yeah that's a good point but then you know at the end of the first season that great tragedy does befall him right yeah um and in spite of his engaging it so i yeah i i don't know and that was you know we talked early on in the first episode that i thought one of the more endearing 
aspects of that show was taking a person in a position of privilege and um, seeing how they they deal with it. Though, I mean, arguably, Princess Leia was in in a great position of privilege, but. Uh, and you know, I, I appreciate Kaz's arc and stuff. It's just again, you know, I think a lot of my troubles with the show is that it felt like it never totally settled in to what it was or to what exactly the story it was telling was. Um, and I, you know, it, that kind of comes back to scope and like, well, how big a story do you need? You know, it's the story of, you know, a community coming together and dealing with. Uh, conflict or something, but I, you know, it didn't. It didn't necessarily feel like that was what the show was about. Uh, speaking about Cass, loved immediately. Big fan. Uh, in thinking of his arc in this show, and in comparing this show to you know Rebels and Clone Wars before it, I really kind of started to feel like Cass is in a lot of ways a sort of anti Ezra or a foil to Ezra. In that. You know, Ezra starts as a street urchin, and Kaz starts um, from a from a place of privilege uh-huh. within the New Republic. And then, some mild spoilers for Rebels here, but their arcs are the opposite in that Ezra leaves his home and ultimately decides to come back and engage in a smaller conflict to save his specific home to save his neighbors his friends and you know and the people closest to him and he decides that he can be most good in the world by you know returning home and helping out there and i found that a really impactful storytelling decision i i really enjoyed that whole arc of him you know learning that and then kaz on the other hand stays out and doesn't necessarily go into a broader conflict but his his arc is learning that oh it's not returning to my home it's staying with these people i have an obligation to these people i have an obligation to stay out away from home at this um point in conflict and they're not necessarily the opposite lessons but it's it's interesting to trace their two arcs and compare them yeah and there's i mean there's different circumstances that had each of them staying and leaving but I I, right. I, I think they both I, made I, the get, right I get your point yeah. um the one thing that i want to mm-hmm. say as a positive is in Star Wars, at least, is this is anecdotally from from my perspective, is I have characters I absolutely hate and annoy me, and then they grow on me, and then they become a character that I really like. Point, um, case in point, Ahsoka was not an Ahsoka fan at the beginning. I did not like the idea of a, um, mm-hmm. Anakin having a Padawan when he gets you know throws a hissy fit, not being made a master in Episode Three, and. For me, you know, we talked about it. I was not a fan of Niku. I didn't like the character. Um, <laughs> I thought that the character's kind of humor wasn't all that funny. I didn't think that the character added all that much to the table. And as the season went on, you know, that was a character that I started to enjoy. Uh, it was a character I thought was used really, really well in that. Um, and I think that's kind of the mark of a good show of showing progression of characters and it's not just you know mm-hmm. me liking and disliking but that's kind of what it shows with of that progression and the same thing i guess could be said in my rewatch of rebels because i recently rewatched it during um the pandemic i like ezra a lot more than i used to what um interesting um but i think that's a mark a real a mark of the show being well done that takes characters and mm-hmm. makes that makes you change your opinion of those characters. Yeah, and I I think Resistance absolutely had some really strong characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters that were we never really found out much about, in spite of it seeming like they would be a bigger part in the show. You know, all of the aces and stuff like that. But I thought that you know the core cast, the performances across the board were really strong and. Yeah, I, a lot of characters I have a, a great fondness for, cast chief among them, but, you know, Tora Doza and Captain Doza in particular, I really enjoyed both of those characters, and that, you know, um, the the mother as well, the, that whole family unit I thought was, was really good, I, you know, I enjoyed Yeager, I, you know, I, I, I like Tam, I don't like the story they, they put her through, or, you know, the, the less than nuanced version of that that story i thought that was a real missed opportunity tam yeah 
I thought it was really Tam just really didn't do it for me. I just, I mean, I the redemption just was never really there for me. And the and we've talked about this and are in relative agreement of, you know, her leaving mm-hmm. and her not like she must have known about what happened on um, Starkiller Base. Um, Mm-hmm. was not really a great character. I mean, there were misses, but I'd say Yeager, I'd say Kaz, and I'd say Tora were probably the three highlights of the show, for sure. I really look forward to seeing mm-hmm. Tora and Kaz in other Star Wars. Um, like, I would be, I would, I would, I would honestly be surprised if they weren't side characters in whatever episode 10 or post episode nine content is out there as like members of, yeah. you know, the new Republic. Um, that would honestly surprise me if, if, if they were not included. Um, hmm. Yeah. Tora in particular, I, I thought was something of a missed opportunity because I really enjoy that character. And, you know, she's initially kind of presented as a bit of like a, you know, manic pixie dream girl, kind of quirky. Um, I don't know. Quirky teenage girl type character. And what that show, I think, did so well with that character is it, it she became a very capable combatant and leader, but it never negated her quirkiness either, or her, her, her vibe or aesthetic. It was never condemned. It never condemned her for also having that side of herself and for being, you know, a quirky teenage girl. And she was allowed to be both. And uh, I thought that was very cool as she became a more grizzled, you know, leader, she didn't they didn't they weren't like oh well now that she's this she can't be that you know she was able to be both and yeah i thought i thought that was really cool i would have liked to i think they did a good job with the doza family writ large um Mm -hmm. and if if anything was i wish i had seen more that is like kind of the mark of a good storyline as opposed to like i need to see more for this to make sense like the um tam the tam stuff or right a couple of the aces that you know like is um what's her name oh my gosh the swedish one um fenris Fenris. like is that is that like a is there is she from a what planet is she from it's like there is is there a swedish planet out there that they have a bunch of like fighters because they love they love taking i mean star wars loves 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 taking ideas from other series and ethnicities and just giving them their own planet. Like I'm currently going through alphabet squadron and the second one. Oh, they go to alphabet Um, planet. Well, one of the characters is basically they describe the premise to avatar and that's the planet he's from. Oh boy. So like the flying beat. Yeah. The fly, the flying beasts that, there are an avatar that's like how he learns to fly an a-wing because he's like they're the same level of grace blah 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 um and star wars loves doing that just like taking these planet ideas and then giving them based on ethnicities or other other people's ideas mm-hmm. uh, so let's see where are we are so talking about you know kaz and and tam and torah and the young people in this show and the fact that it's a brighter, more colorful aesthetic, and that it's definitely geared at maybe a younger age group. Like, this would be, if I was desperate to get my kid to watch any Star Wars as early as possible, I think this would be the best gateway. It's It gets the least intense, um, and it's, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's got a, a very uh, friendly aesthetic to it. I will say, much like ultimately what became my problem with the sequel trilogy, and I... Looking back now, and and a lot of my problems with Rise of Skywalker, I can remember myself having these same problems with The End of Resistance, which is that it does very much kind of glorify young people going off in war in a very jovial, swashbuckling kind of way. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's not treated maybe with the same severity that maybe a rebels or certainly a clone wars treated it with and so on top of not really knowing me personally what the show's unifying theme was 
it, I also feel like the the message gets a little sloppy because it is it is very much like all of these young people eventually are finding their worth in conflict and that's that's Star Wars that's always Star Wars but there also tends to be a sense of tragedy involved with getting into conflict I mean the end of Clone Wars being a perfect example or you know uh, and that that wasn't quite here in resistance it left me I don't know. I, I expressed concerns when we were covering the show week to week that it just it, it left me uncertain as to what what the message for a younger audience is here. And I know that's just the horse I'm beating to death every week now. But yeah, and I I don't really have a great answer for you. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean I don't know that the show necessarily does either. Now, Josh. Um, I have I only have a couple comments left. I don't know if there's a big mm-hmm. thing that you want to be um, talking about. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, I would just say what I was just just talking about, and I think you know, I've been I've been playing Last of Us Two, where I played that, and that's a game that's very much about the cost of violence, but it's a it's a story that tells that message through violence, and. Uh, yeah, with with episode nine ultimately ending in no engage in conflict, destroy your enemy, and stuff like that. It's just something that is uh, on my mind a lot, uh-huh. lately, I guess. And so it's yeah, that's that's something I've I'd be I'd be curious maybe if I rewatch Resistance, what I would like the whole series, what I would feel the the overall trajectory from that was. Because I mean, it goes from you know that by by the end they're not racers, they're not spies. Like it's it's open conflict, it's open war. But I don't know. So that said, I really do want to drive home that, like, I love Clone Wars and Rebels. I don't necessarily inherently love looking at Clone Wars or Rebels. I think the animation is fantastic, particularly that last season of Clone Wars. Holy crap. But what Resistance had that no animated show before it had was just an inherently enthralling aesthetic. I mean, I would say, how many weeks would I just say, wow, the opening shot of this was just gorgeous. Just an establishing shot of some goofy seagull flying around an alien ocean or whatever. And it was just gorgeous to look at. And the ships and the monsters. And I would say that some of my absolute all-time favorite Star Wars imagery is from this show. I mean, that pirate ship and just when you got the monster attacking and just it, it looked incredible. And they the animation team here just absolutely absolutely knocked it out of the park I, I read a lot of comic books but i tend to come at it from a reading perspective not necessarily taking in all the images right i i tend to focus on the words and i'm not necessarily glancing at the whole picture which i, I mean a lot of work goes into comic book artists are, are directors in their own right but there's also, you know, certain comic book artists that I really, really love where I just, yeah, I can't help it. I have to just stop and stare at the whole page. And I'm not looking at the words or looking at the plot. I'm looking at the art on display because it's just so gripping. And I definitely felt that way a lot in Star Wars Resistance because it was just, it was just visually incredible and fantastic. I've said before, I said it again, I want a freaking art book of that show. That said, you know, I, I don't want it to be like the Star Wars Rebels art book, but, you know. Gorgeous show. Gorgeous show. Great To kind of add to that, um, I recently watched the movie Greyhound, which I don't know if you know anything about that show or that movie, Josh. Sure. Um, Yeah, well, it's it's par for the course with your recent movie picks. Well, Greyhound (laughs) is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Greyhound was fantastic. Greyhound is this movie, um, Tom Hanks, it's an Apple TV exclusive, and basically it's a battleship movie where this greyhound is the head of this carrier group in world war ii taking 37 ships from the u.s to um england and then they have to fight off um um oh my gosh what are those uh u-boats they're fighting off u-boats and the whole thing it, it was so reminiscent of like what george lucas wanted to capsulate in the dog fights of the original trilogy of the you're in the control room in greyhound you're in the um sonar room you're in the missile room you're in the strategy room which i didn't even know was a thing um 
and it just it was a fantastic movie because it kind of took you into it and then it added around showing you the the battle and showing you the different scenes and i would say resistance more so much more so than the other um, animated series we've seen the dog fights and the flying when they actually used it and it was very sparingly you know um you didn't see it all i mean you would see them in the sky a lot but not in terms of like actual star wars space battles i would say resistance was just kind of a step beyond um what all of those shows were um when it came to space battles and that's um something that i really like that's one of the big things i really enjoy watching that show yeah, there were some great ones. There were some great ones, that's for sure. I have one last comment. Um, Josh, how about you? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, you know, I really tried to think a lot about this show before this episode because I knew it was, it was likely that I would be a bummer the whole episode and just talk about what I didn't quite get out of it. And it, it is still very much, I don't know that I do have enough hindsight with it or that I've spent enough time thinking about it. It just, um, yeah, it it just, it never really felt like it had the time to find its footing or its, its direction in a, in a strange way. And I just, I, I, I really much love to hear, um, Justin Ridge or one of the other folks behind it, get in you know post-mortem talking about what their what their intent was and what their aim was with it i mean i'm genuinely i genuinely am, am, am curious and uh yeah i don't know it was a fun show it got us doing this podcast um it got us a, a brief brush of fame with our dear dear friend of the show christopher sean some great performances some some fantastic uh visual storytelling yeah, I don't know. It's an enigma to me right now. It's an enigma. What I'll say, and this doesn't really add anything to the our commentary at all. Um, I feel, I feel. Typical. All right. Hashtag, hashtag rude. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> rude, rude brood. Rude brood. Hashtag rude brood. Um, hashtag twenty twenty one for the brood. I feel bad for the Star Wars fans, the like the casual fans that. Um, were really big into Hamilton and then they see that David Diggs is in Star Wars and then they're oh, like yeah. checking yeah. out Resistance and then it's literally for two episodes where North Keth is like, oh, sorry, Kez. Oh, let's get back in the fight and basically has like 30 words yeah. of dialogue but they're like only watching the show because of how much they love Hamilton and just to see like I North Keth was a fine character. I like Duros um, a fair amount, but um, mm-hmm. I'm curious how I don't. Yeah. I didn't do justice to David's digs. R- r- right. Though. I just watched blind spotting, which is a movie he, he wrote and starred in last night. Uh, and I, we, we watched Hamilton on Disney Plus earlier this week. And, I mean, yeah, David Diggs is incredible. I would say he's probably on my short list of, like, this guy is, is prime for, like, a, a fascinating, interesting, big story. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and he was – I'm. And Nova Nova whoever was not uh, Nora Norath Keth. Um, That's yeah, the guy. I, um, I, just think, I just think it's funny. You know, you, like, you watch something for an actor – so like right now Hamilton's on. Well, yeah, like all the all the Magic Mike XXL folks that watch Star Wars Resistance because and Safe for, for Work podcast. Okay, so if you'd like to get Magic Mike XXL is one of the greatest theater going experiences I have ever had, and and I will stand by that to my dying day. That was a five star film, and I'm not the one editing this week, so I have nothing to say. Right. Ah, no. All right, so um, if you'd like to follow us, Poboys Podcast. At Poboys Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Poboys Podcast gmail.com is our email. And we wrap up our recap in July next week, right? With. Um, no. We've got two, two more. more. It's two more weeks in July. Oh. Uh, I'm curious what else we're going to recap past this. Um, I'm sure. Sh- so we were going to talk about the Clone Wars. Oh, okay. Because I'm talking about Clone Wars. And then we were going to talk about the sequel trilogy as a whole. Oh yeah. Oh we. Or maybe we just do. I don't know. It seems prime for being dumb and and headlining. But maybe we just do like 
um, all of the new Star Wars, <laughs> like the Disney era Star Wars so far. Maybe we put our conspiracy yeah, hats makes... on and we just oh, go to minute uh, minute six, 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 and we go to the devil's number and see what scenes there. And then we decipher it and then add it into the trilogy and then see what we come find in terms of that. Um, well, we'll probably do a book boys at some point. I'm like, sl- I'm only on chapter three of that alphabet squadron, but, um, you know, maybe in like two months I'll have finished it. Um, yeah, who knows? August and September. Who even knows? Yeah. Who? Eight weeks. Oh. Eight weeks of unspoken content. Listeners, make sure you transfer your celebration tickets. Um, yeah, I got it. I have not too. done that. You still have until the 22nd of August or the 12th. I forget which one. Right, right. Bye.